You're listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a World Affairs Council conversation with authoritative voices discussing significant newsmaking issues and individuals. While rarely on the front page, the war in Afghanistan remains a story that merits our continued attention. How we know about it is dependent largely on our media. Another question that should be considered is how does what is carried across U.S. media impact what is reported in Afghanistan? My guest, Catherine Brown, is the author of an important new book, Your Country, Our War, The Press and Diplomacy in Afghanistan. In November 2002, Catherine arrived in Kabul as a young press aide at the American Embassy. One month later, she attended a meeting where she first met then-President Hamid Karzai. So since that time, her familiarity with the country and the media grew as she has since spent nearly two years in country. Just over a year ago, she was appointed President and CEO of Global Ties, a remarkable organization well known to many World Affairs Councils as the key link between the Department of State's International Visitor Leader Program and the local organizations that coordinate the exchanges across the United States. Having earned her Ph.D. in communications from Columbia University, she is now an adjunct assistant professor at Georgetown University. It's great to have you in Dallas. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. What took you to Afghanistan and drove your interest in this topic of the media, which I gather was the basis of your doctoral dissertation? It definitely was. I first got the idea of going to Afghanistan in the summer of 2003. It was uh, November of three when I when I arrived, and I was lucky to be an assistant to the national security advisor at the time, and was there during a really important time in American foreign policy when we were preparing to go to war in Iraq, and simultaneously still you know fighting this war in Afghanistan. Became very intrigued with the country. The ambassador who was going to Kabul, Zalman Khalilzad, asked me if I would want to go and work in public affairs. And I'd always been really interested in the dynamic between foreign affairs and the news media. And so the opportunity to work on those issues in Afghanistan was really intriguing. And once I got there, I absolutely fell in love with the country. And it, it began about 13 years of going back to Kabul for various different jobs and for research. I think one thing about your book that I found interesting was one, your knowledge of the media, and you talked about this word framing, which mm-hmm. I was not familiar with, and it seems to really direct how news coverage is addressed, how reporters look at stories. Tell us more about what that means yeah, and, sure. and how it affects coverage in Afghanistan and what we see. Framing is essentially how news stories are packaged so that they're digestible for the audience. When news stories are framed a certain way, usually it's trying to make sure that what you're reading is culturally resonant, that the world feels familiar to you. So if you are a journalist and you're writing for your audience, you're framing or packaging your stories in certain ways. And normally for the American audience, when you're thinking about Afghanistan, the news frames that you automatically think of are the ones that the journalists are enforcing are about security, right? Because you're thinking about American troops and what their lives are like in the country and whether or not they're being successful. You're thinking about the status of the country's development. Where are American taxpayer dollars going? So normally the frames that journalists use when covering Afghanistan are about security or they're about the economy or framing the country in terms of governance or being a failed state. This is also the ways in which journalists frame the rest of the world. 
normally American journalists or journalists who work for US agencies, they have a Western worldview. And when they're talking about the rest of the world, they're usually putting the United States at the center of the world. And so the stories are framed as a result for American audiences as that the United States has power over a situation, that they can do something about the situation in the country, and that essentially the, the country is then reduced into being a one-dimensional place. So if you're a television reporter, and obviously your career is built on how much time you get, you're really being driven perhaps in part or influenced, encouraged by the assignment editor back in New York or Washington, editor at the Washington Post and New York Times, aren't you? You are. Most of the journalists that I interviewed, there's about a cohort, about a dozen U.S. foreign correspondents in the country that I spent time with. They would say that they didn't feel that pressure so much from editors on which stories to write. It was more of a negotiation and a conversation about how to frame a story. What kind of story is this? How do you package it in a way that'll make sense to readers? They will say is that they're always thinking about the American audience. They're thinking about would their grandmother read this? Would they're thinking about would their college roommate read this? How do they make the world more tangible and more relatable for the audience back home? And that's usually what drives what they write. You wrote a lot about how the media in Afghanistan has evolved, and we don't have time to really go into that. But what is the state of the media today in Afghanistan? Is it more liberal than it was before? Mm -hmm. How sustainable is it? I think that the development of the Afghan news media in the country is one of the best success stories that is not talked about. You have this cohort of journalists who are incredibly brave, who want to tell their country's story in a way that resonates with Afghans, that want to cheer on its successes, that want to point out its flaws in a constructive way, and want to be part of the development and the future of the country. It's remarkable how quickly the cohort of journalists has grown. The breadth and extent of actual news agencies is remarkable. You have television now that touches every single district, that reaches every Afghan, no matter where you are in the country, especially for an illiterate society, having access to television and news programming is incredible. How free is, is the incredible. press? How able are they but, to report on some of the corruption that I believe is still rampant in the country. Yes, and that's where it gets more complicated, is that the media is essentially a reflection of society. And in Afghanistan, it's very much a reflection of Afghan society in the sense that it looks like the power dynamics of the country. So you have some media outlets that are driven by the Iranian government, the Pakistani government, Indian government. Also, you have some you know, American state-sponsored government outlets there, too. You have warlord television stations. <laughs> Every warlord has their own TV stations. How many stations station. are there? There's more. I think right now there's definitely more than 60. They've dwindled a little bit. But really the independent news media, which is the most popular news media in the country, there's about six or seven television stations. There's a handful of print outlets, a few radio stations. And they are in many ways very independent and free. And in other ways, they're not. There's a lot of self-censorship in the country. They're not able to report freely, and that's where they rely on the American and Western press for news and information so they can relay it. When you say they're not able to report freely, is that because they might lose a license? They might lose their lives or their family members might if they feel like they're, if they're reporting on power brokers and Taliban, they might feel too threatened to report on an issue. It might be that they will be thrown into prison. They might feel that way. Or it could be that 
they are worried that they'll lose you know, their licensing or that publishers will lose their opportunity to continue. But at the same time, I do have to give credit to President Ghani and his administration because they have institutionalized press freedoms in a way that makes it one of the most free societies in that region for independent news media. Isn't it true that still the Afghan media is somewhat frustrated in that the officials in the government tend to give preference and access to U.S. reporters. That's absolutely right. This is a trend that a lot of foreign correspondents I spent time with in Afghanistan told me that they would see around the world, which is that government officials, especially in developing countries, prefer to speak with Western journalists. It confers a sense of legitimacy, and also it allows them kind of kill two birds with one stone. They're able to get into the New York Times or the Associated Press or BBC. And inevitably, that coverage is then going to be relayed in their local news media. They are more likely, especially a lot of the Afghan officials to talk about in the book, and you, you rightly point out, they would go after the Western journalists much more than they would the, the local journalists for coverage. Afghan reporters also, I gather, feel that the U.S. media often speaks for the government, and we know that that is not the case. Mm -hmm. You worked in an embassy. What were your relations with reporters? I gather they're probably pretty independent. Yes. One of the things that's so interesting about the dynamic between Afghan journalists and Afghan government officials and the U.S. officials and U.S. government officials is that they do believe very much that American reporters and officials are almost in this like cabal, that they are working together to advance U.S. national interests. And if you were to be an outsider reading American news and read through the frames and the lenses that we give the world, you would almost think that journalists are on the side of the government because they're legitimizing American power. They're reiterating it. They're reinforcing the American government's worldview. So if you're reading it as an outsider, you're thinking that the journalists are working on behalf of the U.S. government. If you talk to the U.S. journalists, they strongly, strongly refute that. And the truth is, from my experience, is that American reporters and officials are admired in this total dysfunctional state. They do not trust one another. It is not the case that American officials will hand journalists an entire news story, which is what some suspect happens. Leaking is very confusing, kind of twists and turns and drips of stories. But usually it's like mid-level people that have a grievance. And so journalists will say, that seems like a revenge piece. I don't know if I can really trust this. And so the way that news is crafted is very much a reflection of kind of this push-pull tension between reporters and officials. So they will tell you that that is absolutely not the case. But the one good thing is that U.S. reporters and officials will say is that they still respect that tension. They think it's essential for American democracy that they're at least talking. Many of our listeners know Mark Grossman, mm -hmm. Ambassador Mark Grossman, and he figures quite prominently in your book yes. and talks about how the media was is fair and there is this tense relationship, but that it works. We have just another minute or two. What would you say that the Afghan media wishes the American public knew about their country? I think they wish that we all knew how incredibly complex and dynamic and richly beautiful the country is. I think they wish that we would see the potential in the country, the progress that they've made, especially the generation that was born and raised during Civil War years and in Taliban time. 
I think they want us to see how they've taken advantage of different opportunities that have been given to them the last few years and really created a very dynamic civil society, especially. The government has a long way to go and the journalists are grateful for American reporting on corruption because they think that's essential to strengthen their government. But they don't want us to see them through this one-dimensional lens of war. They want us to see them as a country, hence the title. I want to congratulate you on the book. And let me just read one of the blurbs on the back, because everybody knows Admiral Kirby if they watch CNN. A thoughtful, gripping account about how journalists have covered the war in Afghanistan and about how that coverage has both shaped and has been shaped by the decisions of American political leaders. Listeners of Global IQ just recently also heard Farah Pandith, who was with us, and she said, you won't look at Afghanistan or the American press the same way again. So again, it's a great book, and thanks for being in Dallas. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Subscribe and rate Global IQ Minute on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. For information about a World Affairs Council in your community, visit worldaffairscouncils.org.